Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Dads, the world, the church, our wives, our families, our children, our grandchildren, they're all blessed by godly men. Amen? We need godly men. And Men that are committed to Jesus, we, we have the ability to make a positive difference in every life that we come in contact with. Dads, no matter, have you noticed that when you're watching TV shows, a lot of the times, the dad is kind of like the dummy of the family. He's like the sort of the, the guy that's out of it or not quite sure. Well, I'm telling you, the world has it wrong. Dads are important. Dads are vital. Dads are key. Godly men are so vital to this world. We need more, not less. And so, uh, dads and men in general, be encouraged today to prioritize your relationship with God. Jesus says that if you get that right, here's my challenge and my encouragement to you today, men. If you get that right, Jesus himself says everything else falls into place if you get that right that big rock in your life first. Everything else falls into place. And by the way, today is special for us, just as a family. Uh, We are new grandparents. Uh, She is, yeah. So she's just turning seven weeks old, and she is awesome, perfect, and beautiful. And I'm not biased at all. And I have pictures right here in my phone if you want to see. Um, but yeah, so our first, uh, our first Father's Day, uh, or my first Father's Day as a grandfather, and our son's first Father's Day, period. And so uh, we'll, we're celebrating later, uh, later this evening, and so we're going to have fun with that. Uh, could you put up for me that scripture, Matthew 6? And this is, men, what I just want us to just look at quick today. It says this, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So men, if we are to function at our best, if we're to be the blessing, the strength, Uh, to our families that we really want to be, Jesus is reminding us where our priorities need to be. And it's really easy to get priorities messed up. But he's reminding us of something really, really simple, but yet really, really powerful. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And when he says that, you know, what the whole word seek there is talking about a, a continuing obligation, Meaning, it, it's not just a momentary thing. It's, yes, it's a momentary decision, but he's saying it's a continuing obligation. Meaning, every day, not just for the short term, but every day, you're called and, and, and encouraged to consistently put God first. To follow his will and to live like he wants you to live. It's seek first his kingdom and his righteousness Every day that you wake up, as soon as you get out of bed, say, I am a servant of God, 
I am for you. I am with you. I know you are with me, and I'm going to serve you to the best of my ability today. Every day, men, we get up and we say, Lord, I'm seeking you first. I'm seeking you first. You are the priority in my life. When you start thinking about it, like, what is the most important thing to you, men? What is it? Like, what do you seek first? And what and it's easy to justify yourself, but what would your family say you seek first? What would your wife say that's most important to you? And where is God in the mix? See, we all know that there are so many things that compete for top priority in our lives. We know that we have to work. We know that we have to pay taxes Jesus, really? But yes, we do, you know. We, we know that we have family obligations and pressures and things that call for our attention and our time. But yet, in it and through it all, Jesus is saying, put the big rock in first. Make sure that you're seeking me and my kingdom and my purposes and my righteousness. And if you get that right, you won't need to worry about the clothes that you're wearing. You won't need to worry about the anxieties and the pressures of life. You won't need to, to be consumed with all these other things because you're focused on the right thing. And if you have your eyes on that, then he says, don't worry. This passage in Matthew 6, don't worry Everything seems to fall into place. And so, what are you seeking first, men? And if you don't actively and intentionally choose to give Jesus and his kingdom that, that top priority, that first place, then we all know something else is going to take over. So the paradox, it, it's really a paradox, isn't it? Because he's saying, don't be focused on the other stuff. Yeah, we have to do it. Yeah, we have to live. Yeah, we have to pay our bills. Yeah, we have to do a lot of things. But in and through it all, the paradox is if you focus in on that, everything else seems to fall into place. If you get this right, everything else seems to be fine. And so this is the encouragement for us men. Don't worry, don't get anxious about all of your responsibilities, all of the pressure, the, the work challenges and family issues. Don't let something or anyone creep its way into that throne on your life. There is one king, come on, and his name is. He's the one that we serve. He's the one that we love. He's the one that we give top priority to. And so if we put that big rock in first, we can trust him with the rest. Amen? Put that first and everything else seems to fall into place. Now, I just want to transition now to talk to our graduates and, and the rest of us. And I've been thinking about, as Pastor Wayne invited me to come, uh, I was thinking about, of course, the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel that we're commanded to, to, uh, you know, to make disciples and to, to live for God and all that stuff. And I was thinking about a passage in uh, Acts chapter 1. And uh, in fact, let's just read it right now, if you put it up for me. It says this. It's Acts chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, verses 1 to 11 is what I'm going to read. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. 
After his suffering, he presented himself to them, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This is awesome. This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go. Come on, one day he's coming back. So, he's calling us to be witnesses. Let me tell you a story. It's Father's Day. How many guys in here like to fish? Anyone ever fish? All right, well, even if you don't like to fish, you'll like this story. This is, and it's true, all right? So, a few years ago, we were down, we were uh, having a vacation in Florida, and uh, um, my dad was with us, and we have three boys. And so we, uh, every once in a while, we do this thing called FTB, for the boys trip. And so, uh, so uh, my dad and myself and my three boys, we went out fishing. We went out deep sea fishing. We took this charter, and we went out. And we were having a laugh, just making memories and eating and laughing and talking. And we're telling the guy, listen... We don't want to catch these little suckers out near, you know, like we want something real. And he goes, okay, all right. So we went about five or six miles out to where he knew there was a shipwreck. And we, we dropped anchor over this shipwreck and we started to fish. And we got a lot of fish. But all of a sudden, uh, my, my oldest son's uh, rod, uh, the one that just made us grandparents, he, his rod just went boom and then just got a you know, and the, and the drag starts pulling out for your fishermen, you know that when that happens, your adrenaline starts to pump, right? And he knew something large was on the other end. And so it's a long, dragged-out story, but like an hour later, we, uh, he needed my help because the thing he was getting tired, and I grabbed the rod, and I pulled, and he would then reel in, and then I'd pull, and it was sort of a team effort. We landed a 450-pound... Goliath grouper. So I have pictures. Because we all know this. Fishermen, they catch a bass, but by the time you get home, that bass was this big. Pretty regular, right? Because in my mind, I'm not lying. I'm pretty sure it was that big. And no pictures, so you just got to trust me. And here's the thing. I was out there thinking to myself, If I'm out here fishing alone, no pictures, no nothing, and I come back in and say, hey, I just caught a 450-pound fish. Sure you did, right? Sure you did, yeah. But 
I mean, who, who would believe the story? But here's the thing. The more witnesses to the story, right, the more strength it gives to the, to the story. And when I was reading this passage in Acts, there was a word that just kept jumping out to me. You know, sometimes you read scripture, and even though you've read it like 50 times, it's so fresh still that every once in a while, like the Holy Spirit just drops a word and a passage. And when I was reading this, the word witness kept coming to my mind. Witness, witness. And I started reading again through the book of Acts with this word in my mind. And I found the word everywhere. You find it in here in chapter 1. You find it in chapter 2. Peter talks about it in his sermon um, in, on Pentecost Sunday. You find it in Acts 3, 5, 10, 13, 22, 23, and on. This word witness is all through the book of Acts. And the disciples said it multiple times when they were in front of somebody. They said, we are witnesses of the fact that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And they would say it themselves again and again and again. And it became this thing. They were taking it super seriously. And in the passage we read, verse 8 says that you will be my, say it with me, witnesses, right? You'll go and you'll tell people about me everywhere. And so these 11 verses, they kind of give us this good idea, a really good idea of the important things that Jesus wanted his disciples to know before he left for heaven. And it's sort of encapsulated right there in those 11 verses. Um, he, he seemed to have a message to them and, and it all seemed to relate to being a witness. And let me, uh, let me walk it through with you. So the, the first one, um, so it's in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 3. And, he, and it says, he proved to them in many ways, right, that he was alive. And he kept appearing to them over the course of 40 days. Why did he hang out for 40 days after the resurrection? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons for sure was that he wanted to make sure that they knew he was alive, right? He kept proving to them that he was alive. He kept talking to them. He, he wanted to make it clear. Like, he, he ate with them. He, he talked with them. He walked with them. Remember the disciples walking to Emmaus? He walks with them. He, he says to Thomas, come here, sh look at my side, feel my wound, it's me, I'm real, I'm alive. And he seemed to have this real desire to make sure that they knew he was alive. And, it, and uh, I mean, Paul goes on to say he appeared to over 500 people over the course of 40 days. Like he, he put a lot of effort, my point is he put effort into making sure that they knew that he was alive. And it got me thinking about being a witness the, how can they tell the story? How can they, 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 I mean, if you are a witness, I was on that boat. I know that that fish was real. So when I come back to the land, I can speak with conviction. I can speak with authority, with truth, because I saw it with my own eyes. I know that it was true. And he wanted them to go out into all the world and preach the gospel, but he wanted them to make sure that they had the knowledge they needed. And the knowledge was, I am alive. I am the way, I am the truth. Now you go tell people who I am. 
and that I'm coming back and that I'm still here. Like he gave them all this stuff. So he, he wanted to give them the knowledge that he was alive. And you know, when you know a story is true, obviously you can speak with boldness and you can speak with, with conviction. And that's what happened to them. Uh, I mean, think about it. They, they're given a mission to the world to, tell, to say, you know, Jesus is alive. Jesus is the savior of the world. And now... There's no doubt in their minds that he's alive. How can you go out and be a strong witness if you're not sure what you believe, right? If you're not sure that he's alive, if you're not sure, you know, that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's really, really important. The gospel message depends on the fact that Jesus is alive. Amen? I mean, Paul makes it really clear in 1 Corinthians 15 when he says, listen, if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is useless. We might as well just go home now, right? Uh, you know, our faith is useless. Jesus is alive. And that knowledge has to be driven deep into our own mind and our own spirit. We believe that he's the savior of the world. We believe that he is alive and well. Amen, church? We have to have that knowledge in order for us to be the witnesses that he wants us to be. And so, we still have the, this, this job to do and this message to take to the world. Now, we may not have seen him. We may not have seen him with our own eyes like the disciples did. But come on, we have felt the effects of Jesus. Those of us that have served him and know, we have felt the effects of his power and his love on our own lives and on the lives of others that we know. I mean, we can speak with confidence. We have the knowledge now to say, yes, he is the king. He is the savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is alive, and he can make a difference in your life. We are witnesses of his power, right? We can say now with confidence to people, come on, we, he heals, he saves, he transforms. His power is in my life and I've seen him work in the lives of others. You, you cannot deny a changed life, right? You can say, well, yeah, 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 but listen, how about the atheist? How about the alcoholic? How about the drug addict? How about the husband who was lost? How about the child who was the prodigal son who had ran away? How about all the stories that we've seen over the years? But Jesus walks in and everything changes, right? All of a sudden we see and know the power of God. And so we, you know, it, it has to be that way. We have to have that conviction. We have to have that knowledge. You can't deny a changed life. And so the mission is ours to continue. We have found the truth, and we have the knowledge now to go out into the world to be his witnesses. And so I leave that as a, a quick little point for our, our grads and for the rest of us today. The second thing that you know that he wanted them to have, and he wanted to communicate before he left, so he wants them to know that he's alive, to have that knowledge. The second thing is, is he wants them to have power. He wants them to have the Holy Spirit, right? Remember Acts 1, 4, he says, listen, you're going to go, but you wait here in Jerusalem until he comes. Because when he comes, he will baptize you with fire. 
And so he, he, he sang, and then in Acts 1.8, he said, you know, uh, you will be my witnesses, you know, but, he, but, but when he comes, you will receive power to be my witnesses, right? And so he's saying, listen, guys, there's a job to do. There's a mission to, a, to be accomplished. So first, make sure that you have the knowledge that you need to go out to be my witness, Know that I'm alive. Know that all the stuff I've said is true. Have that knowledge. Second, don't you dare go out and try to do it on your own strength. You'll never last. You'll never make it. You must have the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They were to wait in Jerusalem. They were going to be witnesses to the world. But don't run off trying to do it with your own strength, your own wisdom, your own creativity. You'll only get this far, and then you'll get frustrated, tired, burnt out. You must have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way to be an effective witness for Jesus. Grads, don't do it on your own. Glad you studied all that you've learned, but don't leave home without him. I think that's MX, isn't it? Jesus said it first. Don't leave home without him. He is the one. And so we have to have the power of the Spirit. We must be led by him. We must be controlled by him. We must be energized by him. We have to have his strength, his comfort, his courage, his fire, his passion. We need it all. We need it all. Do you understand that he's asking us to do a supernatural task? Mm-hmm. He's asking us to do a supernatural task. And so the only way we can do something of that realm, of that, in that realm, of that depth, is that we have supernatural power. And Jesus said, it's good that I go. Remember? It's good that I go. For when I go, he will come. And he will lead you into all truth. He will be your counselor, your guide, your power, your source. He will be the one that you need to look to. He will speak the words that I tell him to. He will lead you to the truth. He's the one that you must find comfort in and strength in. So he says, listen, guys, in just a few days, just a few days, you're going to experience this power. So don't leave home without him. It's this supernatural gift that he left with us so that we can be effective witnesses. And now Acts 1.8 is such a key verse because it tells us where our power comes from. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's where our power is. And so how can we be witnesses without that? So... It's amazing. I mean, think about it when he says, imagine being the disciple of that day. And, and in John, when he says to them, hey, it's good, it's good that I'm going away. Imagine, you'd be thinking, I don't want you to go away. I don't want you to go. I want you to stay. You're, you're the one. You're the guy. You know? And he's saying, no, no, guys, you don't understand the scope of this. It's good that I go. For when I go, he will come. And so it's, it's this amazing thing. And then when he shows up in Acts chapter 2, and the church begins, and the disciples start to change, the world is impacted by the power of the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you're, you, you start to see ordinary people doing extraordinary things. All of a sudden, everything changes. And, and don't miss it. 
Everything changes. So the disciples were absolutely and utterly, totally changed. So I, used, I say to people as a joke, I say, Peter, just for example, he went from Clark Kent to Superman. Seriously, didn't he? Just a few days later, the little girl at the fire says, hey, aren't you that guy that used to, I am not, you know, swears to her that he's not, you know, they're afraid, they ran away, you know, they weren't bold, they weren't courageous, they weren't taking it to the streets, they were hiding and cowering, but all of a sudden, everything changed. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls. Peter gets up and preaches this powerful sermon, unplanned, right? 3,000 people get saved, and all of a sudden, the boldness of the Spirit is on the guy. The wisdom and, and anointing of the Spirit falls on him like he's never seen before, and he is utterly changed. And so you begin to see that. Then that's Acts 2. And then, I mean, check it out in the next few verses. In Acts 3, Peter and John, they see a man that's, that he, it was, uh, you know, that's a lame. They're walking to the temple, remember, through the beautiful gate. And the man that had been lame for 40 years. And the guy's instantly healed in the name of Jesus. And they're arrested for it. They're threatened by, the religious leaders are threatening for what they've done. And they said, they said, listen, at the end of the day, they say something like this. Listen, we're going to obey God rather than obey you, right? And so this is the same dude that ran away. This is the same guy that denied even knowing who Jesus was. And now he's standing up to the religious authorities. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. He couldn't have done this on his own. And that's Acts 3. And then you move into Acts 4. It says, the believers all gather together to pray. They come together in a house and it says, they asked the Lord for courage. They said, Father, may signs and wonders be done through the name of Jesus. And it says, the house shakes in Acts chapter 4. Then in Acts chapter 5, they go out and amazing miracles begin to happen. People were even bringing out their sick onto the streets so that the shadow of Peter could cross over them and people are being healed. Demons are being chased off and all kinds of miraculous things are happening. All of a sudden, everything, everything changes. They're running away and Clark Kent all of a sudden becomes Superman. And it's through the power of the Spirit. So why would we want to live without it? Right? Why would we want to live without it? Why would we want to live without him? It's this necessity. Jesus wanted us to make sure, have the knowledge you need that I'm alive and well. Don't leave home without that knowledge. Number two, don't you leave home. Don't you try to be a witness in this world without the power of the Spirit. You'll never win and you'll never succeed. It was very clear what he was trying to communicate on that last day just before he went up into heaven. So, you know, if you have the power of the Holy Spirit, just think about your own life, how much stronger, confident you are. I don't know about you, but I feel it. Um, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit right now. He's here with us, amen? That when he's here, our witness is strong.
I have to be able to say to the world and to the people that I touch, listen, I was lost, but he found me. I was hurting, but he healed me. I was addicted, but he set me free. I was broken, but he put me back together. The power of the Holy Spirit has made a difference in my life. And so we have this big job to do, a big job to do. The mission is global. It's a global mission. Take this to the ends of the earth. And the only way it's going to be done is with the power of the Holy Spirit. He makes it possible. So we need his fire, we need his counsel, and you sure at times need his comfort when we have rough days. And he's all that we need him to be. And so Jesus says, listen, have the knowledge, number two, have the power. And the last thing he said in verse, in verse 11, it's what the angels said. Now, the angels are simply just messengers who speak what they're told to speak. And so it clearly was a message that God wanted to communicate. He wanted the disciples to know. And he said, listen, the same Jesus that you see today taken up into heaven, in the same way, you're going to see him come back. Like one day I'm going home and one day he's coming back. And, and I'm good with that, Amen. Like, so it was time for Jesus to leave, and it's time for the Holy Spirit to come. So you know why I think he said that? I see it as motivation. I see it as motivation. So if you want to be a good witness to this world, you need the knowledge that he's alive and well, and he's the, he's the way. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need power. But sometimes we need a little motivation. And I think when he says, listen, I'm coming back, I think that kicks us in the rear end. And it says, the clock is ticking, my friends. Every one of us is going to face eternity. We've got to go out there and get this message before people cross into eternity, before Jesus comes back. We've got to get the message out to, the, to those that need to hear it. And so all of a sudden, it becomes this motivating thing. Get the message out because one day I'm coming back. So I see it as motivation. It's, it's time for Jesus to leave. It's time for the Holy Spirit to come. And by the way, Jesus isn't returning to heaven to retire. It says, you know, uh, Paul makes it clear, Romans 8, you know, he's going back to do another important job. Romans 8, I believe it's 34 that he says, he's going and, you know, even now he sits at the right hand, what? Making intercession for us. Meaning he's up there cheering us on, praying for us, helping us, doing all he can, right? As the disciples watched Jesus rise into the clouds, the angels said, hey, Jesus is gone, but don't worry, guys. One day, he's coming back. And so, go now. You have all that you need. You have the knowledge, you have the power, and you have the motivation to take this global mission and take it to the ends of the earth. This is the message that I think Jesus is trying to communicate here in these verses in uh, Acts chapter 1. The kingdom calling is still on us, dads, all of us. It's on us. Witnesses, grads, it's on us. Doesn't matter how old we are, doesn't matter what our background is, what our history is, we are breathing. And if we're breathing, the call of God is still on us. And so here he is saying, Listen, use this as motivation to serve and to make a difference because the clock is ticking. I am coming back. So these three things were important 
for Jesus to communicate, it seems that he wanted these things to be said and clear before he left that day. Be confident. Let me just say it this way. We have to have this confidence, this knowledge that our hope in Christ is real. If we're not convinced in the knowledge of Jesus, we can't be, we can't be a strong witness. I can't sit I don't know if you've ever been called into court to be a witness or not, but if you're sitting in that little bench and somebody's asking you questions and you're not really sure, you're, you're a terrible witness. But a really good witness is some who sits in the chair and goes, I know what I saw. I know what he can do. He's done it in my life, and I know this is true. That, that plays a lot better. And so we have to have this knowledge and this confidence that he's alive, that he is still the truth, amen, that he's still the hope of the world. And, and second, we, we have to seek the power of the Spirit. If I'm going to be the witness that he wants me to be, if, if my life is going to impact others in a great way, I must have the power of the Spirit in my life every day. And remember, the third one, of course, is the motivation. He is coming again. The clock is ticking. If he was coming again and they thought it was soon back then, we fast forward 2,000 years. One day, one day, he's coming back. And whether we meet him in the sky or we face death before he comes, the truth is, is that eternity awaits us all. All. And so, if Jesus felt that these three things were important to communicate to us before he left, I just wanted to encourage us today, encourage the graduates today, encourage us all. We are called to be witnesses. We are called to live for Jesus. You have the knowledge you need to do the job. You have the power of the Holy Spirit to help you, to guide you, to strengthen you, encourage you to get the job done. And now you have the motivation to, wor to work it out as fast and as effectively as you can. We can't be apathetic about getting the gospel out to lost people. We must be motivated to get it, the message out as fast and as wide as we possibly can. And so Jesus felt these things were important to communicate before he left. And I think they, were all, they all relate somehow to being a witness because he knows that we can't do this on our own. And in these last days, we have to have these three things, I think, working in our lives in a powerful way. Be confident in who Jesus is. Seek the power of the Spirit. And let's be motivated. Apathy and indifference is not a part of our lives, folks. We have the power, the passion, and the conviction of Jesus on us. And that must drive us and motivate us to move ahead. Aurora needs Jesus. <laughs> York region needs Jesus. We've got to take the message of Jesus to the people who don't even know they need it, but yet they're so desperate to hear. So use this little, uh, these few verses in Acts chapter 1 and know and, and be assured today that we can do this. The job is global. The mission is big. But he said, don't worry. Don't worry. It can be done. You have the knowledge you need. You have the power you need. And you have the motivation to get it done. 
He is with us. He is praying for us. He is cheering us on. And he has left the Holy Spirit to help us in every day and in everything that we do. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.